If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Welcome to the Truth In My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hello. Today, we have Dr. Torres interviewing John about using probability correctly in supporting Christianity. John is specifically looking at claims from Dr. Bart Ehrman and evangelical scholars who use probability to either prove or disprove Christianity. We are continuing from the previous episode. We hope you enjoy. In another talk by William Lane Craig, an audience member actually brings up the point I'm making, that you can't apply probability to, to actual historical events. And listen to Craig's response. This is the start of the recording from the YouTube video. I think I remember this coming up uh, when you had the debate with Bart Ehrman. Yes. And my, my question may have been his question, how do you assign objective quantities to each of these things uh, when you say right. specific evidence. This is a evidence. very good question that Dennis is raising. I think, and I'll say this later, Dennis, that it's really impossible to assign numerical values to these letters. Um, but very few historians do that. Historians don't use Bayes' theorem. Right. So you're quite right, yes, that but what I'm trying to do in answer to Dennis's point here is avoid trying to assign numerical values to these because I think that's beyond our ability to do. Okay. What we just want to ask is, in very general terms, is the probability, the intrinsic probability of the resurrection outrageously low, as Cindy said? Is it just hopelessly low? Uh, and what is the probability of the evidence given the resurrection hypothesis uh, or not? Uh, is that uh, high? Is it low? What is it? And, and we don't need to give actual numerical values. This is the end of the recording from the YouTube video. How do you assign objective quantities to each of these things? So if you're going to use a probability equation, where do you get the numbers from? For dice, it's no problem. We know that there's six possible outcomes on each die. And each one has an equal chance of coming up. So the chance of any one is one out of six. That's an actual number. Flipping a coin, one out of two. It's an actual number. And this fellow's asking, if you're going to use Bayesian probability, that equation, where do you get the numbers, the objective quantities? That's my big question, too. Exactly. And you, see, you notice that Craig answered, quote, this is a very good question, I think that it's really impossible to assign numerical values to these letters. And then later he says, quote, what I'm trying to do is avoid trying to assign numerical values to these because I think that's beyond our ability to do, unquote. Well, it is beyond our ability or anyone's because historical events are not random and so they don't have a probability. But without assigning numerical values, you cannot calculate actual probability. So the whole exercise is actually useless. 
What Craig tries to do is simply make a demonstration suggesting that while the intrinsic probability of the resurrection may be extremely low, the explanatory power may be high enough to compensate for that, but without actual numbers, that cannot in fact be shown. So trying to use Bayes' theorem to support the resurrection or the reliability of the gospel books is one of the ways in which some Christian apologists just misuse probability. It cannot be applied to actual historical events. Well, I think that's totally reasonable. It makes sense because how can you put a number to historical events on what people will do and what people will not do, even though maybe qualitatively in your mind you think that they will probably do this or that, but there's no way to assign a number. Exactly. Now, another way, and this is one that Christians are more likely to hear because it's used quite often, another way in which probability is misused is to point out the extremely low probability of one man fulfilling a given number of messianic prophecies, and since Jesus fulfilled them, he must be true. We'll talk about the incredible odds of Jesus fulfilling Bible prophecy, and they will try to give you actual numbers. One site I looked up under the mathematical probability of prophecy says this, an expert in the area of mathematical probabilities, Peter Stoner, wrote in Science Speaks that if only eight of the prophecies in the Old Testament concerning Christ were fulfilled, probability of their actually coming to pass would be one in ten to the seventeenth degree. But could Jesus have merely fulfilled these prophecies by accident? Now, one in 10 to the seventh degree is basically one in a hundred quadrillion. And if you don't know what a quadrillion is, it's one in a hundred million times a billion. And so you'll see frequently these kind of claims where they give you the odds of winning the lottery and how remote that is, one in 259 million, and then show you how much less likely it is that a man could fulfill eight prophecies. And they'll give you this, this one in 10 to the exponent 17. But then you wonder, okay, where did these numbers come from? Where did these numbers come from? Well, you look through Stoner's work and he, he lists eight prophecies. Christ to be born in Bethlehem from Micah 5.2. The forerunner of Christ, the messenger sent before him from Malachi 3.1. Christ to enter Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Christ to be betrayed by a friend, Psalm 41.9. Christ to be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, Zechariah 11.12. 30 pieces of silver cast down and used to buy a potter's field, Zechariah 11.13. Although innocent, Christ kept silent when on trial, Isaiah 53.7. And Christ crucified from Psalm 22.16. And then he lists the New Testament fulfillments of these eight prophecies. And then he gives you a probability for each of them, multiplies them together, and he gets 1 in 10 to the exponent 28 instead of 1 in the exponent 10 to the 17. You look at the numbers, though. His probability for Christ to be born in Bethlehem, he has is 1 in 280,000. Uh, to have a foreigner of Christ, 1 in 1,000. Christ enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey, one in a hundred. 
Christ to be betrayed by a friend, one in a thousand. Christ to be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, one in a thousand. 30 pieces of silver cast down and used to buy a potter's field, he says, is one in a hundred thousand. Christ keeping silent on trial, he has one in a thousand. Christ crucified, he has one in ten thousand. Where do you get all these numbers? Well, let's look at where we get the number. Let's start with the first one. The odds of Christ being born in Bethlehem from Micah 5.2. To arrive at the answer, Stoner started with the average population of Bethlehem from the days of the prophet Micah to this present time and divided it by the average population of the earth for the same period. It was discovered that the, this ratio was 1 to 280,000. So the answer would be one man in 2.8 times 10 to the 5. In other words, one in 280,000 against being born in Bethlehem. So he says the probability of this prophecy being fulfilled is one in 280,000, which comes to 0.00035%. Now, is this valid? What would you think? Well, as far as I know... God wanted him to be born in Bethlehem. So it's not a random event. Exactly. It's not a random event. Here's the thing. If the prophecy says the Messiah is born in Bethlehem, any legitimate claimant to the mantle of Messiah must have been born in Bethlehem. If you're not born in Bethlehem, it's game over. You, You don't even try to claim to be Messiah. So that means that it's certain that a Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. It's not, there's not an odds against. It's not a random thing, right? So the prob- it's not a random thing. So the probability of this prophecy being fulfilled is not 1 in 280,000. It's actually certain. It's 1 in 1. Now, yes, there were Messianic claimants who were not born in Bethlehem, but that would disqualify them immediately. And yes, they had some unwary people follow them, but they really shouldn't have. If we look at a second number then, because that's really the only one where you even try to make some kind of probabilistic calculation. If we look at the second one, uh, in Malachi 3.1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Stoner writes, How many men who have been born in Bethlehem have had a forerunner sent by God to prepare his way. We will use the conservative estimate of one in a thousand or in one in ten to the third power. Uh, What do you notice about that? I don't know where that number comes from either. Well, he's pulling it off the top of his head. It's not an actual probability. What about this one, for example, from Zechariah 9.9? Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Zechariah 9.9. Stoner writes, the question now becomes, One man in how many who has entered Jerusalem as a ruler has entered riding on a coal, the the foal of an ass? We will use one in ten to the second power. One in a hundred. But here we have to ask, is this random? Well, no. And even if it were random, I still don't know where he got those numbers. Well, he's pulling it off the top of his head, but this is certainly not random. Once again, if you're a messianic claimant, you know the prophecy, you know that 
you're supposed to enter Jerusalem riding on a colt, well, you're going to get yourself a colt and ride in. Once again, it's one out of one. It's not a probability. Then uh, he goes on, and one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends, Zechariah 13.6. Stoner asks, One man in how many all over the world has been betrayed by a friend, and as a result suffered wounds in his hands? We will use one in ten to the third power. Where did that, that number come from? Probably randomly from the top of his head. Exactly. When you look through the list of the eight prophecies... Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. But please join us for the next part tomorrow. Same time and same place. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you. Thank you.